Hey there, friends. How's it going? My name is Kyle Devlin, and I am the host of this podcast. This is the Having a Blast podcast. Having a Blast is a pop punk and emo podcast where we'll be doing a deep dive on important albums and bands. We'll also be speaking with band members, producers, and friends. If you happen to like what you hear, if you could do me a huge favor, perhaps give us a five-star review. That just really helps get the algorithms working in our favor, and then more people can hear the podcast. Or Another thing that really helps us out is if you share it with a friend. If you've got a friend that enjoys this type of music, pop punk and indie, I'd greatly appreciate it. All right, without further ado, let's get into it. friends what is up welcome to the show this is having a blast i am your host kyle devlin this is the first episode of 2022 and what a fantastic one it is today i'm incredibly excited to be speaking with my longtime friend mr benjamin harper ben is one of the original founding members of the band yellow card from jacksonville florida i met ben in the year 2002 and we became quick friends i always admired ben not only as a guitar player but generally Generally a man of the music industry and he was always so much fun to be around. He really championed our band and was always extremely supportive of our band, Game Time. Ben went on to form Takeover Records while in Yellow Card and Takeover has evolved into many iterations over the years. Ben parted ways with Yellow Card in 2006 and we discussed that a little. But the purpose of the chat today is to highlight Yellow Card's debut full length, One for the Kids, and the recent re-release of the record for its 20 year anniversary. Ben and I chat about the formation of the band, the process of the re-release, and lots, lots more. I want to thank Ben for taking the time and being so transparent in this conversation. It was so much fun talking to him and catching up. He's one of the best dudes, and I'm really glad I was able to get him on the show. So without further ado, please enjoy this multifaceted chat with Mr. Ben Harper from Yellow Card and This Legend. What's up, dude? Hey, can you hear me? I can hear you, yeah. Can you hear me okay? I can hear and see you. Yeah, sorry. I have like a little cold. Don't worry, it's not COVID, but I sound a little little nasally. No worries, my friend. I hope you feel better soon. Yeah, it's definitely cold season, right? Which just makes us all incredibly paranoid. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I've had COVID and I'm vaxxed, but I haven't had a cold in years. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... I'm sure everybody goes through it. Once they actually do get a cold, they're like, what the fuck? What is this? Yep. Is it cold? That's what I went through this morning. I'm all taking my temperature and shit. I'm like, I have a temperature. I'm getting a rapid test. But yeah, no. Was, yeah, was, dude. That's the indicator for me. If I take my temperature and I don't have a fever, I'm like, okay. I, yeah. I think I can check it off my list then. Yeah. And, and I'm pretty sure it's from like me having to do an overnight flight from LAX and not sleeping the whole night. It's definitely could probably give you a cold. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, man. Huh. Yeah. Just traveling in general can be rough on the immune system. Absolutely. So cool, man. You're you're all healthy and shit. <laughs> you're like a nutrition <laughs> specialist. Thanks, man. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm a personal trainer first and foremost. That's what I started with. And then I got certified uh-huh. in nutrition as well. So I started doing that online. So yeah, I guess I'm a nutrition coach. I help people That's fuel cool. their lives and yeah, it's fun, man. 
Yeah, I definitely yeah. want to. I definitely want to lose weight. It's a constant thing in my life. I'm like 20 pounds up, 20 pounds down. And then I've started weight training in 2013 and I got off. I did it again in 2018, but I just haven't permanently made it a part of my lifestyle. So that's next. I just moved out of California. So I will be hitting you up. I don't know how much I can afford, but. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, dude. Anytime. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to help you out in any capacity for sure. It's funny because I actually have a lot of band guys as clients. Uh-huh. And I work with women too, but I think just from playing in bands and we're all getting into our late thirties, early forties. And I've had a lot of people hit me up over the last few years, which is cool because it's just how things kind of come full circle. And I really like helping out people make the world of weight training and sound nutrition. I try to make it as approachable as possible and as doable as possible. And I want it to be easy for people. Yeah. Hit me up anytime. My man, I've been there too. It's very common to go through that cycle where you're losing a little and then gaining a little. And I think everybody gained a little weight during COVID just because we were more sedentary. We were at home more often. Oh, and where'd you move to? Well, I moved to Santa you're moving Santa Fe, New Mexico, which is completely different. Like I've just made yeah. a lot of life changes in the past year, like not drinking every night, you know, just, I was just, you know, I was kind of in that mode where I, de- I was dependent on alcohol. So that never helps. And then, you know, I've just never been in a point where I've eaten right. And yeah. And at 40, I kind of just put my foot down and was like, all right, it's time to do this. So, so yeah, I hope it's I, it's a great yeah, time I'm, to get in good shape. Yeah. So I'm, I'm ready to live that lifestyle. You know, I had some, you know, it's in, and drinking constantly just sort of gross to me now. So this is good, you know, but then if I could eat better and actually like, you know, you know, I do watch your tips, like the whole thing you said about weight training. Like I used to be like a cardio, get in that cardio trap where I had to do cardio or a little both, you know, but Same. I know what you're I know how like that whole theory about weight training is more important than cardio, but don't you have to do kind of both? Yeah. I think of them as two sides of the same coin with one, maybe having a little bit more significance. And that would be the strength training aspect. I think strength training is something that more people should prioritize over cardio, just because if you're gaining a little bit of lean tissue, well, really, if you're lifting weights, that'd be its own form of cardiovascular exercise. We tend to lump separate categories. We think traditional steady state cardio, whether it's walking outside, going for jogs, using a treadmill or an elliptical, or even a stationary bike. We think of that as cardio and it is cardio. That's steady state cardio. And we assume we have to do tons and tons of that in order to lose weight. But what's interesting is when you start lifting weights, which you can probably attest to, you actually get your heart rate up. So you're incorporating that cardiovascular exercise, killing two birds with one stone. You're getting the heart rate up, but you're also acquiring and sustaining that lean tissue. Having lean tissue is going to give you more energy. It's going to be better from a metabolic standpoint. So there's a lot of benefits to getting a little stronger and implementing strength training. Right. One thing that I was the biggest fan of is the TRX straps I was using. You know, those are like every day. That's great. Yeah. So yeah, I really like this. Yeah. Suspension training. Yes, exactly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We have our own space. I have a space with a buddy of mine who's also a trainer. So we're independent contractors, essentially. We just work one-on-one with our people. It's great. But one of the first things I bought was a TRX band. Yep, yep. That Because that's just cardio and weight training, like all combined. If you go to go to every exercise and just keep going one to the other, the other. Oh my God, I've never got my ass kicked so hard in my life. So (laughs) good for you guys. You can make it very, very difficult. Thanks, man. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's been fun. We have a blast in there. We rock our tunes and hang out and train our people. It's great. And, you, and, and just 
curious, um, and you don't, you know, just because we're homies and, you know, we toured it. So do you, um, do you, are you completely sober or do you guys have drinks? You guys like a dinner or, or, do, yeah, or well, do you, how's that work? I haven't drank alcohol, I guess now for about five years. And okay. even then it was pretty spotty for a while. And that was a bit of a game changer for me personally. All of my people, all of my clients all drink and we just find ways to fit it in. We just set healthy uh-huh. parameters if we need to. And sometimes that could be just for like a season. And so I enjoy drinking. There's a big craft beer scene in Kansas City. That's a fun thing to be a part of and trying yeah, to craft brews and things like that. A lot yeah. There. Yeah. And I don't know. I stopped drinking. It became more further and fewer between when I would have drinks. So then all of a sudden I realized, oh, it's been six months. I haven't had a drink. And so eventually it just stopped. Good for you. Yeah. I guess it just wasn't a part of your lifestyle. Yeah, it was for my late 20s, and yeah. I think that contributed to a little weight gain. I was working at a call center for a while, and I gained a bunch of weight during that time in my late 20s. I gained about 60 pounds, heavier than Ooh. I am now. Yeah, so wow. I had a bit of a transformation about a decade ago. That was one of the things that was the catalyst for me becoming a personal right. trainer. Exactly. Cool. Good for you. Yeah. I'm, Thanks, I'm all, I'll be hitting you up. I promise. I just got to get settled in. And yeah, I moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico because I'm in like the cannabis industry. Dad's retiring and they just went recreational. So we just applied cool. for a cannabis license and it's to be a producer and to have our own retail store. And it's so weird that I'm doing this with my dad who's not a smoke or he doesn't smoke pot or anything. You know, he's a doctor. He's like an anesthesiologist, but his wife smokes. And he always said, you know, he was like, you know, if, if you guys can make, if it's legal, you know, you can grow because he lives like off the grid, 90 acres and has their own well. And so I've positioned myself to be closer to him and we'll see if this pot business works out and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I've always just been the biggest like cannabis fan and it turns out now it's legal and actually somewhat kind of good for you. So yeah, it's crazy how the paradigm has shifted over the last two decades, right? Right. I think so, it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a great thing, man. That's yeah. rad. I didn't realize it was recreational in New Mexico. They just started the medicinal use of it here in Missouri. Yep, exactly. It uh, Actually, New Mexico was one of the first medicinal, if not the first, before California. And they're just now going recreational and they're being really lenient on the licenses and they're, they're treating it more like, you know, you have your own microbrewery. Like anybody can open a restaurant type thing. Anyone that qualifies can get it. And they're predicting that borders will open eventually so that New Mexico can be a huge cannabis producer and export cannabis and have tourism and all that kind of shit. So it goes April 1st. Yeah, April 1st. It's actual recreational. And they're, you know, just now awarding producer licenses so people can get plants in the ground and get ready for April 1st. So it's pretty cool. I'll keep you updated. Um, How does that work as far as the timeline goes? Because you're probably able to grow... Um, hold on. We're, you're actually breaking up. I don't know if this is you or sorry. It might be me. I have on my cell phone and I have like full service. So, okay. Oh, I was going to say, what's the process like? Are you starting to get ready to grow now or is it early stages of it? Yeah. Well, we're waiting just to get the license. So we're on like, okay, they go over and they said, Hey, we need this and we need this. And we just turned in this and this. And now we're waiting for them to say, okay, this and this is good. You get a provisional, you can start building your setup or you guys are approved. So yeah, we're like, in you know, the, right. the second round of review, we think we'll probably get approved probably first couple of weeks of January. And then that puts us pretty on, on pace with 
our first harvest meet in April. So that's exciting, dude. Yeah, man, that's yeah, rad. yeah. I've always, that's what I did. I did a delivery weed service in Big Bear, which are the mountains in Southern California. That's what I did for almost ten years. So <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I really do have a cold. It's just scary. I'm like so congested. But yeah, man, yellow card, one for the kids. Thank you for all the help or just interviewing Warren. And that's yeah, of course, man. It was a blast getting to catch up with him and talk about it a little bit. I don't know if you listened, but I, I, I listened to that podcast. Yeah, yeah I haven't dude, to it, but that's good because then it keeps it genuine for you and I, you know, because I don't know any of the questions you guys talked about. Yeah, absolutely. I asked him a lot of questions regarding when you guys started Yellow Card the early days. And he told me the story with Ben Dobson and how that transferred over to having Ryan in the band. And then the recording of One for the Kids, initially sending out the demos with Ben to Steve from Lobster. But maybe you can just tell me a little bit about the Florida scene around that time. I mean, you guys have a lot of talent around. I mean, a lot of really talented bands. I remember when we first met you guys, you said we reminded you guys of your buddy's band, Inspection 12. Uh-huh. So like in high school, as far as like playing shows and things like that. Well, yeah, we like, we grew up with most hometowns. They have like a staple of bands that they play with, you know, their brother bands, you know, like a scene or whatever. And Jacksonville had that because we had venues that let local bands play and open up for national touring acts. You know, there was always like a local on the bill. So everybody was yeah. like... Everybody was really into fighting for whoever was going to open up for Strung Out or Lagwagging or whatever. Right. We we had the milk bar and all these little venues and it would trip us out because these bands would come in town and like sell it out, but they weren't even on like the radio. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, or MTV. And so we were like, what is this independent world? Um, And bands were like Inspection 12, reminded us of Game Time, Modern Amusement, like Ryan's original band. So Ryan, before he was in Yellow Card, cool, right. I think, when we, can you hear me? Uh-huh, yeah. Okay, um, right, yeah, Ryan had uh, his original band and he would play with Inspection 12 and Yellow Card when we had our different singer. So we always knew how like talented Ryan was. You know, he was always like a part of our scene. And then we had, I remember there's bands like Boredom and just Lugnut, you know, just our local bands. Inspection 12 got signed to Fat Records. We got signed to a little lobster records. Unfortunately, um, Inspection 12's drummer died and they sort of didn't continue really after that when it comes to nationally touring and stuff. So we always said Inspection 12 could have been big yellow card, you know, but uh, that's it. I mean, yeah, I, 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 there was a lot of good bands. There was really talented. We played uh, mostly melodic punk. We didn't call it pop punk back then. That name sort of took its form, I think, in the last like 10 years. I don't know if you tell me. Um, early 2000s I think that's when it really got popular yeah, the drive through era yeah oh yeah the actual word pop punk you're right I guess we're yeah. part of that yeah Go. but I, I would say similar to words epitaph I think you guys were inspired by that stuff right yes we I'm sorry I didn't mention that we were absolutely grew up on like strung out Pennywise no effects all the bands on fat records all the fast punk bands you know yeah and I think I think we really looked up to Inspection 12. They always did kind of like barbershop fucking quartet harmonies, excuse my language. And I think we you know, noticed the talent in that. And I think there was a reason once Ryan got in the band that Sean worked on his singing, worked on harmonizing with Ryan. So yeah. um, we were kind of 
hard and fast. Uh, we really made sure we had good vocals and good melodies. It wasn't just like, rah, rah, rah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And that probably came more when you had Ryan as well, right? Because Ben Dobson had a little bit more wit to his vocals. 100%. Yeah. And am, I, am I breaking up? Is it you are, a little bit? Yeah. You, you're, you turn into my a rock. wife. Yeah. My, I think my Wi Fi is struggling. That's all right. I mean, I can hear. I'm so far. I don't think I'm missing anything. So we're good. Okay, cool. Yeah. And it's recording. So, yeah. So tell me how things shifted when Ryan joined the band. I think that's when things started to pick up a little bit, right? That's when right. you had a demo to Lobster, to Steve from Lobster, but he became really interested once Ryan joined the band and you guys sent him the Still Standing EP, which at the time was just demos, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Cool. It was awesome. <laughs> Or a demo, and then that happened. We also gave it to Richard from Drive Through, and he kind of yes. passed. So, or, or you know, we just decided to go with Lobster. But <laughs> Warren told me that story. He told me the walking on the back. I had that yeah. confirmed for the first time in my life. We heard that all the time, and we thought that was the craziest thing. We were really interested to know if that was just a rumor or if that was actually true. Yep, Warren and I hundred percent walked on Richard Rain's back. That's crazy. <laughs> really and. Good. You think about now with cancel culture and all that shit. Not that I'm necessarily going to put it out there on blast or anything, but you, I was thinking the same thing that you were thinking. You know, the fact that I'm amazed this hasn't been brought up in the mainstream. Uh-oh, did I lose you? Hello? This is unfortunately the part where the interview completely freezes up. We have to chalk it up to the perils of functioning internet and internet services and technology. But I gotta say, I really appreciate Ben because he stays on the line. He hangs in there. I restarted my modem and within 15 to 20 minutes, we're talking again. There he is. Hello? Hello. Hey. Way better. Okay, good. I'm glad, man. I might go ahead and just turn my camera off because sometimes that helps. Oh, absolutely helps. Just to ensure I don't lose you again. Okay. You can still hear me? It's better. I remember, yeah, I can hear you. And I remember when you came on the first time, it was immediately you were like delayed. Like your video was delayed from your... I knew it was a bad connection. And right, off, right now, it was totally synced up. So. Okay, good. That's great. Okay. <laughs> We're getting there. Rad. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. It's crazy. Actually, I just spoke with Jim Septic. Was it last Wednesday from the Get Up Kids? Oh, cool. It was fun to chat with him a little bit. But yeah, no issues. That's it's crazy. So one for the kids. You guys were playing with Inspection 12 quite a bit. They got signed around the same time you guys got signed to Lobster. And then you guys commuted out to California. Can you tell me a little bit about that? About um, the adventure on the way out there? Well, we did it tw- like we... We went and got in a van and drove across country to record the album, you know, for like, you know, two or three weeks. And then we also, I remember we opened up for Slick Shoes because Ryan was a friend of theirs. And so, you know, I think we played one show, did record the record at Stall Number Two, which was owned by Fletcher from Pennywise. Right. With Darian Rundle, right? Right. And that's who we did the initial record with and recorded with and he mixed it. But and then after we did the record, we went back to Florida to so ever and then everyone separately started to move out to California. Like Sean and Ryan got a house. You know, I moved out there. LP came out last, and that was sort of that. And so, do you remember the big drive? You know, to do the record and get back. And then I remember we all moved out separately and and just got day jobs. And LP was the last one to come out. I remember there was almost cool. like a point. You're coming out, right? You know, like. 
<laughs> you're moving because it, it's hard for everyone to leave their town and fucking sorry i gotta stop cussing they're leaving their you can. you're good oh but it's just tacky you know i'm just so comfortable with you um no <laughs> so uh that's good man so, right like and you know so whatever uh he finally came out and yeah we did it and started playing shows and the best point was when we actually got to quit our day jobs because we were actually making income off of playing shows and selling merch. So, yeah. And I talked to Warren a little bit about the fact that I discovered you guys on mp3.com. He said that it was a situation where sometimes people would basically download your songs off mp3.com and they'd get shared, but they might have a file name under Rufio or newfound glory or something. So people would expect to be hearing Rufio and they'd hear this new band and then they discover that it was yellow card and that helped generate some hype, some early hype for you guys. Rufio was already popular because I think they were like on nitro records or something. Do you remember mp3.com? Absolutely. I mean, I, I remember more when, for whatever that reason was, is people were listening to our song and going back to hear it again on mp3.com. And they were one of the first websites that had a counter, you know, that told you how many yeah. plays. And our song or songs, I think it was just October nights, was like at 100,000 and everyone else was still at like thousands or something, yeah. you know, or it was like, okay, something's going on. And then we <laughs> people, you know, in our message board online and it would actually translate to them coming to the show and I think that was some of the first sense of viral, you know, of the internet, you know, that kind Absolutely. of thing. It so. was the first iteration of streaming too, because before that you didn't really have anything. You were beholden to buying it on a comp right. or discovering it on a compilation CD and then buying the record or buying it at a show. And I think mp3.com was where I discovered a lot of those early bands, you guys included. And I think it was sure shot. You guys were always at the top with Rufio. And then when I booked that show for you guys, came through i bought one for the kids and i was so excited because i had more than one song to listen to and that was probably happening all over the country i would imagine yeah absolutely and think about this think about how crappy our speakers were and stuff and we were just listening to it probably from our real crappy like old computer speakers you know yeah it's almost like it didn't matter how what the recording sounded like back then whereas 20 years later you know it's such a big deal so and and there's just ways sure recording has evolved so much i never i always forget that's a nice segue into the fact that you guys are re-releasing it Uh warren told me a little bit about that how that came to be do you want to tell me how you got connected with steve on that did he hit you up did you Uh, float the idea to him how did that work i was doing that whole takeover live i was doing live streams so i actually had a recording studio in orange county and i was doing live streams because we just jumped into that because no one can play shows and i hired a guy that was like pretty well-known producer built the studio around him because at the time he didn't have a studio and it's kind of rare when you find a guy that has credits that actually doesn't have his own studio Mm -hmm. um but for whatever reason and so we had this business and i had talked i've always been in touch with steve a couple of us have and he literally reached out on facebook and called me and said hey it's been 20 years i have the reels let's and i was like wow i have a studio and i can you know, front half of the mix. So we don't have to pay someone like, you know, 10 grand to do a yellow card record or whatever. And so we saved money because, you know, he didn't have really a budget because he hasn't been a label. So it was like kind of a group effort to even get this out the, you know, to even do this. And so he hit me up and that was just one of our main projects as I sat there with, you know, and Jamie McMahon was the mixer. He was a producer at the studio. He's super talented. And and I kind of was like the historian. I was kind of like, you know, and what's crazy is we got the reel to reels, you know, because it was 20 years ago. And and for that particular studio, 
It was reel to reels. Pro Tools, I remember Pro Tools was only a thing if we couldn't fix, I, I forget, or if you couldn't pull off your part, we would use Pro Tools or he used to threaten us. Right. Yeah. Uh, $400 yeah. an hour, right? Right or something, right? And <laughs> like, and I just remember, yeah, we did the record and, and we, you know, it's, and I remember we ran out of time. I remember I, I had to sacrifice like a guitar solo to, to do one more day of like backing vocals, you know? But, you know, what we discovered is that for whatever reason, you know, after we sit there, sat there and, and listened to the old mix and, and, and thought about the, what went down and it almost, it just always seemed a lot quieter on Spotify than all the other records and not really like the lows. And it just sort of was like lacking something. And I don't know if it was because we were short on time or where Darian was at with mixing in his life or just what, but at that young age, not like we realized it and steve not really even you know he's a label owner but it's not like he's the master at he'll he'll tell you you know he's not the i know everything about recording guy you know sure so he just yeah. like if it makes dance you know he just dances but uh no i'm just yeah. joking so, <laughs> so I, I just know that like for whatever reason and then we went and got the reel to reels and we had them digitally transferred and so we go to the computer and it's just like all these files you know you got to go find the snare drum and all this but the original tones were just fantastic, you know. I mean, and, mm-hmm. and you know, and I think, and it, we, it was like, wow, we could really. We didn't really know if it was the proper thing to remix it. Maybe we would just remaster it, right? Was it ever originally mastered? It was mastered at Capitol Records, and um, okay. and it feels like some things got squished or something, or something about the room to where the low ends kind of different. And yeah. so, what you did, remixed it with the t- original tones and i was sort of the, my point was i was sort of like the historian like you know this backing vocal is louder than the violin in this part so we got to make sure it's still at the same yeah. level but you know so nobody could be like oh i don't hear this part anymore or something or we forgot a right. lead or you know that was, was literally the hardest process i've ever been involved in in my life i probably wouldn't do it again i don't think uh you know the the, the fact that we got to do it and had the opportunity to take this these tracks and, and represent them is fantastic and and we pulled it off but darn it was hard man it took like two months and and that's that now if you really go and a b it like listen to one for the kids on spotify and then go listen to the other one it's quite satisfying and so I feel like a lot of people will hear this record in sort of a new light or maybe for the first time um, yeah. and like it and fall in love with it because of it's, it's more sonically congruent with the other yellow card recordings now. Yeah, I completely agree. I actually did AB it the other day. I was listening to the whole version on Spotify when you threw it up and I went ahead and ordered a vinyl as well. Somebody actually yeah. ordered it for me. I'll probably order another one. Yeah, it's given it new light. It's given it a new warmness, but there's also a lot of clarity. There's things that I hadn't heard before. I noticed some guitar parts popping out of the mix a little bit more, some violin parts, some lead mm-hmm. lines. But you're right, it captures the energy and the essence of one for the kids. You guys didn't take anything out. I love the addition on AWOL. I think that feels very one for the well, kids. That's a perfect example of what kind of went wrong during that process. And here we are 20 years later, finally getting it right. That song was always supposed to be connected, but for whatever yeah. reason, we were told to track it separately and there was no way to combine them digitally back then. Oh, okay. So the second half of all always came out as a secret. So, so it was just like the answer back then was, okay, well, we'll make it a secret track on the CD. Uh-huh. So AWOL ended. It was like X amount of minutes of silence. And then you would hear that ending part. And so right. what 
did. And that is the only digital altercation we did. As you know, there was no extra auto tune. There was no, like, we didn't like move anything on the grid. You know what I mean? Sure. None of that. No, you know, no like time, you know, uh, lining everything up, blah, blah, blah. We added nothing fake to it. And all we did is take the end of AWOL and connect it to where it was supposed to be on AWOL. So it was became a, a random secret song to an actual making that song complete. So this is the first time you've heard AWOL as we played it live. Yeah, I love it. And I love that song. And I was telling Warren, One for the Kids is still one of my favorite records of all time. It just takes me back to that time and place, which was a really great, fun time. And meeting you guys was great. But I mentioned to Warren as well, I was just a huge fan of your music at the same time. And it was cool to revisit that. And I think it's nice that you guys are doing this 20-year re-release where you're getting to, I think, really show what you wanted to do with it originally, because I know what it was like to run out of recording budget and you kind of have to make sacrifices here and there. So that's really cool, man. You get to see it come to fruition and see your vision oh yeah like it was like i said it was nerve-wracking as it was hearing it now when it actually went through the process and found its way on the digital outlets (laughs) and and i'm like we did it you know what i mean yeah myself we can go listen to it and listen to it even more after working on it so long and hear things and and you know do abs and just the way the low end i don't know it must be great if you're if this is one of your favorite records then you must be this must be great you know what i mean it's like it's crazy like it gives it a diff- it's the same songs it's the same feel but hearing the more lows and the this or that and hearing lp like more powerful like actually what he played is exciting it's i don't know yeah. it just, it's like we just, you know what we called it high it was a uh, one for the kids in high definition that is that was the perfect term for it so yeah yeah well when i saw you guys play back then one thing to hear the songs and i remember hearing them i liked sure shot a lot when i first heard that song i could hear the x factor the fact that you were this melodic skate punk band or you had these pop punk tendencies but you also had sean the violin in there as well and Uh but there was something about the way it translated live and i can hear more of what you guys were trying to do with the record back then I think the thing that solidified it for most people was they saw you guys play live and those songs translated really, really well live and you guys played them very well. And they were powerful, right? Like a, a song like October Nights. I mean, that got every single person in that room moving. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, the songwriting yeah. was great. It was great. And parts were great. It was such a magical time. And that carried through really, and you know, to the underdog EP and even to Ocean Avenue, even though Warren wasn't in it, you know, that songwriting. Yeah. I don't really speak much about when I was out of the band, but just because I wasn't in the band at the time, but God, you know, like there, and and Ryan was always the main writer, you know, we all just sort of added what we did or wrote our leads or whatever. You know, I, I, my job was always to like write with Sean and come up with cool things that, you know, made that live performance even cooler or, or the harmony, you know, having a violin to harmonize with, you know, it was exciting. Another voice in the band. So, um, yeah, I think of a song like 23, the harmony right. is so cool. Even now I still listen to that and just get chills every time. Yeah, and I was going to ask you, I've got a random question. I asked Warren and he couldn't tell me, maybe you can shed some light. Do you know why the underdog EP isn't on any of the streaming networks? I, we actually don't. And it, it's, that's so, I don't, that would probably put a lot of extra income into the members pockets that receive royalties from that. Um, yeah. I'm, yeah. It's, it's real annoying. I want to listen to it. <laughs> um, and it's, it's fueled by who we need to reach out to is fueled by ramen. Okay. Now I would assume it has something to do with capital. Hasn't done it yet, but capital mm. was the actual owner of the masters and let fueled by ramen release it. 
Right. So we'll have to figure out. And, and for, for whatever reason, someone hasn't picked up the reins and said, hey, let's put this out. And maybe Ryan hasn't either. And I don't mean, I don't, you know, I'm not. And it's my opinion that Ryan really does not like to promote the old yellow card that much. Right. Um, and, and so I don't see why he would make a big deal to put it out. Sure. Since he kind of has access to the yellow card. So, you know, <laughs> basically Ryan's the only one that could post on yellow card social media. You know what I mean? Um, sure at that point now and you know in order to talk yellow card business you have to go through ryan's manager so um, oh i see okay. i would think maybe maybe if we i you can help me write an email to his manager and maybe we can all get it out <laughs> I don't yeah know. so maybe we uh, can make that go viral right let's do it now there's something we can do i don't know i mean gosh uh there's a, a petition i don't know um i, I really think it's online simple. petition Someone just going, oh yeah, we should probably put this out, like literally, you know. Yeah. So <clears throat> I'll work I agree, on it, buddy. Man. Someone else said that to me earlier today or yesterday, and it made me, and it's, it's been hard to think about it, but all right, it's been Dude, I haven't thought about it that the, much. So. Yeah, that's fair. Those songs are special to me. They're just as special as Dang. the one for the kids songs. Yeah, yeah. I, I I can see that they were definitely within like a year of each other or two, and um. Yeah. And I really liked it too because I, I I like my performance on it. I really I really played Absolutely. a lot on that one. Whereas Ryan usually you know played a lot of the his own rhythms and like doubles and stuff. So mostly I play leads, you know. But I just remember Underdog mm-hmm. I played like a lot on it and it was great. So it shines um, through, Ben. I don't know if you get <laughs> enough people telling you that you really added something to Yellow Card that. Okay. I think ultimately was missing when you weren't in the band. And this is something that I would talk to my friends about too. So it wasn't just my opinion. I really do think you added a flavor to yellow card that not to be disparaging to anybody that eventually played on yellow card records and things like that. But I do think it was missing something. There was something you always gave it a nice personality with your tones. I mean, even song like ocean Avenue is iconic as ocean Avenue is that guitar line in the verses. That's a hook. You know, I think everybody hums that to themselves and the tone that you were able to achieve, which I'm assuming you, did you pull the toggle up on your Les Paul? So it was a little bit more of that bluesy tone. Ryan plays that melody. So that's a really, okay. Yeah. When Ryan, when Ryan wanted to, at least if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure he tracked that. Sometimes he would track little leads and you can tell the way he plays, Okay, you know, but uh, that there's a couple that actually he played it sort of a verse hook. You know what I mean? Um, but of yeah. course, of course, actually, he might have played. Usually I would play it all live, but he yeah. I think he would play that live. He would. He really liked that okay. riff. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, yeah. that was that was straight Ryan. I don't think. Ryan, yeah, that was straight Ryan. Um, I know Ocean Avenue. I remember the chorus. Because that was a song we created in the studio. Oh, no, in the band room before the studio. Like, it just came out of nowhere. Like, just Ryan playing a, a note, and we were all in there, and, and then LP just threw the beat down. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think that's where he got the riff. Or maybe it was a, sometimes there were violin riffs that Ryan would put on the guitar. You know what I'm saying? I see. Yeah, that like, makes perfect I'm sense. It, but then Ryan would play it, was, or I would play it. So, yeah. The, and, song could play something else so it was well, a i think of it as another iconic melody within that song it's something that's just so easily hummable 100 percent. and then but just to and further on what you're talking about and i appreciate that every time you take 
a band member out of the band, it changes the whole dynamic, recording mm -hmm. and live. So every time you replace a band member, you know, if that person, if you, you know, write as a group and stuff, it'll change the whole dynamic. And um, with the person that replaced me, he had a different style. It was more metal. It was more, you know, and, and, and definitely he, I think, and because he was so good, I think he ended up playing a lot more. So it was different than me. And then the songwriting kind of mm -hmm. changed. And I, I know that from a, for a fact. And it was, I think the, the, I was more kind of bluesy, you know, kind of my leads were kind of more traditional and not so much metal. You know what I mean? And, and they just had a different yeah, work. Absolutely. I think that's what you're hearing. And then obviously live, I think, I think I always added the biggest element live, you know, where is the person yeah. go crazy and jump and run and jump around. And then after I was out of the band, nobody was going crazy anymore or like the person it was just a different dynamic. So sure. Um, whatever. I thought, um, I think you're, so. you're correct. The dynamic definitely shifted and it does shift in bands when you have different members coming in and out of the band for sure. I think that's, that's, that's going like, to happen. Right? Like, Hey, you know, I really like Southern air and, you know, and I also like ocean Avenue or some people like ocean Avenue more, or, you know, the post yellow card stuff. There's a group of people that really like that newer yellow card. So, you know, I, I think I remember uh, Pearl Jam, they had Dave Abruzzi's as a drummer when I, and I was, they were like my favorite band and uh, Dave Abruzzi's was like, just like he, the way he played and, and like the symbols and he was just so much more like, I don't know how to describe it, but door technical. And then they replaced him. And I remember the drummer they had after him was just a totally different drummer and it changed. And I, you know, as much as, and then now they have uh, the drummer of Soundgarden and just the way he plays is really different. And Pearl Jam's never sounded like that Pearl Jam that I grew up with. And it literally is because of the drummer or something. But yeah. Yeah. Mem yeah. It's crazy how that works. All good. Though. Yeah. Matt um, Cameron, he's a beast of a drummer, but yeah, he's definitely a different <laughs> drummer for sure. Yeah. What's up with, uh, I love Matt Cameron. Yeah. But I always liked it better with Soundgarden. Um, anyways, but uh, what's up with you in game time? I know, I know you're the podcast guy, but <laughs> I'm doing all sorts of things these days, man. It's crazy. We, we're releasing new songs, man. We've got two new ones that are currently released, and then we're about to release our third on the 29th of this month. Great. Great. Awesome. I'm going to listen to them more. And then are you going to ever play a show or not a full band? Just have a couple. We may. It sounds a little daunting at the moment just because of the rehearsal time and rehearsal <laughs> in general, just the amount of work that would take it would oh, take in order to facilitate a show, but we're talking about it. Yeah, it's hard. We, you know, LP and I have this new band, This Legend, and we did a record and then we toured for it on a year, for a year, you know, played all over the country, spent a bunch of money, lost our asses, tried to do it in our mid thirties, you know, and ended mm -hmm. up stopping. And we haven't done This Legend in like six years and we just did it again. And it, yeah, um, you guys and just I, played a show, right? Yeah, it was fantastic. And I think, the one thing we had going for us is, is we had actually only had one album and we all played our parts and we all toured on it. So it was kind of built in you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if we were for new songs or something, it would have been a lot harder to do a show if we were only playing some new stuff and this. But maybe if you had your original members and you, you rehearsed, you would find yourselves, you know, it only took like a day to kick in. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah. oh, so don't discourage yourself. But <laughs> thanks, Ben. But I appreciate our that, man. Our, our particular situation was able to resurrect, but that's a, super yeah. cool. And I was going to say that. Yeah. 
maybe we because i don't think we're only going to play like you know a show or two a year if that if it makes sense so hopefully maybe we'll do it with game time who knows maybe you guys dude that'd be sort of midwest that would be amazing man that would certainly influence us to practice more for sure i love that record by the way this legend is great i I think it's cool you check it out you guys talked about doing new tunes yeah dude ryan or not ryan oops i call him ryan chris is a prolific songwriter you know he is amazing and that kid has been sending me songs for like three or four years now just new songs the way he demos them he like He'll just like demo the guitar, the leads, maybe even track a bass. He'll do a vocal and he'll even like demo harmonies. And he like, sometimes it's just maybe a verse and a chorus, you know, or verse and a chorus without any lyrics on it, but it's Mm -hmm. crazy. So really all we have to do is go, what song are we doing? So very cool. I hope, yeah, I can't wait. I think the next step is to book a recording with a dope producer and try that route and maybe own it ourselves. Who would you try to do it with? Maybe like a camera Uh, web? No, not, you know, hey, I bet you if we sign this cyber tracks again, because we only do what we know, we did a one-off, she would, I bet you Jen, you know, would re- she's the owner, would recommend Cameron because it seems as if they've been doing records with him. But that, I think we would be more interested in a Kyle Black or something. Oh, dude. Yeah, dude. So. Uh, I just interviewed I, him. Oh, you did? A week ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Yeah. Down. So Game Time and Neural, we were buds. I think we all played a show together maybe That's once, but. Neural, duh. Okay. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah Neural. Neural was the first band that Game Time ever played with out in California in 2002. I forgot he was. Okay, I forgot. Yeah, no, I really. He knows LP. He knows what we want to achieve as for a recording. He knows it more mm-hmm. than most people. And since, and he's also worked with Chris, worked with LP, worked with Steve, and he knows me really well. So it would totally make sense to record with him. Whereas the last experience we did with Sean Pura or Sam Pura, and it's a great recording, but it was rushed. Um, there was no pre-production, which we I think is, is really important for any band that's doing a record, unless, you know, is to go over it before you actually track it down. Sure. And then uh, Sam and our bass player completely clashed and our bass player stormed out of the studio without tracking on it. And it wasn't, you know, a full This Legend recording. And we were only a band for about a month before we did it. So I'm really excited uh-huh. to do it again. And it would be really cool if we could afford to do, to do it with Kyle. So That would be amazing, man. Yeah, his tones are incredible. He's a really talented producer. I love a lot of his records. And he's such a rad dude, too. I what, love that dude. What are some of the records that... I? I've listened to a couple of his records he did like three years ago. What are some of the newest records he's done? So he's been mixing a lot of stuff lately, but the records that I go to often were a few years ago. I really loved Seaway's Vacation. He worked on that one. Okay. He worked on the most recent State Champs records. He worked on Living Proof and he produced Around the World and Back. And I continuously go back to that strung out record he did. I think that record sounds so great. Yeah, it was like one of his favorite bands. What else? I'm trying to pose the one. He did Summer Bones. That's a great record. Okay, I'll have to revisit it. But yeah, I really think he could do this legend. It would be its own thing just with his, you know, geniusness behind it. And yeah, and and so that'll probably probably happen. Literally have already hit him up and he was like, Well, we just gotta book it. So I'll let you know. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, I I literally interviewed him last week. Yeah. Good. That must mean he's yeah, it must be a sign that he's the right choice or something. Yeah, dude. It's meant to be for sure. Yeah, he's seen it all too. You know, he's a relatively young person, but neural started when they were young. 
So I remember they were huge back then. I mean, they were, we would play shows with them and all the industry people would be out to see them. And I kind of thought they were on a yellow card trajectory for a little while. I thought they were going to get picked up by a major and then put out this massive record. Hmm. I don't remember much about Neuro. I just know that he was in a band. That's crazy that you say they were kind of big. Yeah. Well, good for yeah. him, man. So I want to be respectful of your time. I appreciate you doing this, dude. I appreciate you in general. Thank you for giving Game Time a shot and for championing our band for so long. I really do appreciate that. I, I, and for Game Time, it, was, it wasn't even that official or anything. You just, you were part of the family, you know? Yeah, no, I greatly appreciate I it. And I wish we hadn't broken up, man. I, I often wonder what it would have been like to go work with Mike Green a little bit and just write some songs with him. All that kind of stuff. Isn't Mike Green still producing too? He is, like, yeah. And he works with Kyle Black. They work together quite a bit. Right. I know that, like Neck Deep or something, or... I think I they worked together on the last State Champs record. Okay. And I, I, yeah, isn't, yeah, I think Mike's doing some big stuff. So I don't, I'm not in touch with him, but yeah, any sort of combination of those people or any one of those two people would be great. But yeah, yeah, yeah no, very cool. The old days were good, man. The game time days, the takeover days, it was all good stuff. Yeah, it was fun, man. This is kind of going back to Yellow Card. I have a, another question just for my own personal curiosity. What all did you record on Lights and Sounds? Oh, we're getting deep. No one's asked me this yeah. one. I really want to know. <laughs> I think I can pick it all out if I really, if somebody Ooh, put a gun to my head, but I'm, I'd be curious that, to know. It is total. Um, oh, there's Ben. Oh, there's Ben. That one, that recording process. I think Ryan definitely played a lot, you know, more than normal on like doubling rhythms and not really leads though. There was a lot of orchestration on that record, but I mm-hmm. played like, I literally played on you know, there's some songs on Ocean Avenue that I don't, I don't think I even played on. You know what I mean? Really? Okay. I think, if I remember correctly, I think there was one song I didn't play on. Maybe, uh, you know, like one year, six months, I didn't play on. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Thing. You know, things like that. I played. If you look, there's somewhere out there that they itemize what songs I played. I wrote the whole record with the band like we normally did. Mm-hmm. Of course, it was experience but i was actually kicked out of the band before the record came out and like it right. came me i was leaving the band but there was some sort of problem between i don't know you know there's a it's one day the real story will come out but um for whatever reason i was asked to leave the band and focus on takeover records and i was like told to like a letter sent to my office and everything and my record label and and so it was really weird during the process, but if the, so when, so what happened is when I was kicked out of the band, they didn't want to list me as a writer because I think it would create backlash or something. You know, they didn't want to have this record out with me not there with me as a writer on it. So, sure. or did it have to do with money with royalties? I don't, yeah, maybe, maybe I really don't know what it was really for, but they told our lawyer, my lawyer said, that's fine. You don't have to list them, but you got to pay us 20% you know, or whatever, because right. we all split royalties equally. Right. And, and to this day, I, I get my license sounds royalties. And I think I, yeah, I played all, you know, the solo at the ends, me, all the guitar solos, the leads, the, you know, it's, I'm there, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just like other yellow card records. And in fact, license sounds was, I, I'm pretty torn that I never got to tour on that record. Cause I love license sounds. I listened to that more than I listened to ocean Avenue. Okay. Because because of the the minor keys, the, the instrumentation, the budget we had, you know, how epic the, you know, the recording was and stuff. Sure. 
Um, I really, really love that record. And even though some people, you know, maybe not didn't like the direction that much. So um, whatever. It was just for the time it was it was there. And um, well, yeah, no, Ocean Avenue and Life Sounds were badass. So yeah, I think it's like, yeah, I forget. Somewhere there it says, it says I play on like, I don't know, like eight or nine or 12 of the 15 songs or something that are on there. Yeah. Okay, so, cool. That you, makes sense. All the guitar lead lines, I can tell. Yeah, you can hear the bluesy kind of, you know, so. Sure thing falling, yeah. you play the intro? Yes. Okay. I think the... I don't know. I don't play the intro. Ryan plays the intro. I play octaves on Sure Thing Falling. I think. Am I, I apologize. I may be conflating the song name. I'm looking it up right now. No, no. Sure Thing Falling is Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Do, 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 with a That's harmonic. Ryan played that. And okay. I probably played leads. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, my playing was reduced on my parts on that particular thing. And that's kind of why it was, so I guess, supposedly not focused on yellow card. I was too focused on my record company or whatever. So I couldn't be in the band anymore that I started. So do you think that was initially, that was the, the big elephant in the room, so to speak, the fact that you owned a record label? It was. Well, that's, that was the excuse used when I was dealt the blow straight It almost seems a little convenient. Like it's a convenient Correct. excuse. Yes. I always thought that, you know, I would love to publish the story of what, how it went down and how shady it was and how, it, you know, and, and so people could learn a lesson from it. But I have held my tongue out of respect to Ryan and Sean and Pete. Sure. And so. I can appreciate that. And I appreciate your transparency. I heard your, your interview with Mike Carrera. Right. And that, that I told, like, to... What happened, like how I was given a letter, you know, or how, you know, sure. I kind of told a little bit of how it happened more, but um, not everything that was going on around it. And, and maybe what, who really wanted me out the band and why. And all in all, you know, you saw what happened to Yellow Card. They ended up, you know, I think they ended up ending their careers with just Ryan and Sean in the band. And, and to my knowledge, Ryan and Sean aren't on good terms. That's so. what I've read and heard as well, which I wonder Ooh, if that's what that ultimately ended it. Huh? I wonder so, if that's what ultimately ended it. Maybe so. It was like the last connection, you know, he had no work. That was it, you know? Yeah. Well, I don't think Ryan can continue a band like Yellow Card without Sean. He had the violin. Yellow Card is iconically known for having a violin player. Maybe Ryan saw that, oh, I can't continue this if, if Sean doesn't want to be in the band anymore. And I wonder if having kids, that's going to shift your priorities a little bit. I think Sean probably just wanted to watch his daughters grow up. Are you in contact with Sean at all? No. Fortunately, not Sean and not Ryan either. It's weird. Like LP, Warren, and I, all three of us have no communication with Sean or Ryan. And okay. so it was our intention to maybe involve them in this re-release. Mm-hmm. We did uh, We did write Sean an email to his work email. Okay. And then we've been in contact with Ryan's manager about posting it on social and we've gotten no response. And she asked us for the record contract and that was it. Wow. So, okay. So yeah. Yeah. Pretty trippy. And well, it's so there's people I've, yeah, I've had a little backlash from a couple people that are like, this is just a money grab. I'm like, what are you talking about? You're a yellow card fan and you like this record. This is a great thing for everyone, you know? And yes, Ryan are going to get paid from this. I have a hard time believing it's a money thing. I think I know enough about the way these things work to know that this isn't like no. a, 
<laughs> a means of making a ton of money. And this is about celebrating a record that we all love. Yes, it's not going to bring in the you know, I'll tell you what, and for listeners, think about it. Ocean Avenue brings in about 90% of all income for Yellow Card. Yeah. So that's how it's how big of a song you have to have to really show some income, you know? Sure. It's gotta be a song that is generations are gonna listen to it and, and Spotify is gonna continue to grow. But you know, there's a certain level, you know, it's not like yeah, it's like, and then you have like way, way, and like only one that maybe come up with like the other 10%. And okay. it's like, so a, a record like, you know, one for the kids that maybe has a million plays or 2 million plays total that might gross you a couple thousand or X amount of thousand dollars and right. then you take out expenses and split it. And yeah, you know, it might be a nice little bonus for some people. And what's so cool is the labels actually splitting it with the band members. Um, okay. This is sort of like a, here you go. It's the anniversary prize present thing or whatever, you know what I mean? Or to make up for maybe royalties we didn't get before who knows, but you know, he's being really cool about it and almost like, yeah. And so, yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, I have a hard time. Yeah. It's weird how people just want to be negative sometimes. It's like, what? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen a little bit of that and I'm kind of thinking, man, you guys really don't know how any of this works. (laughs) Unfortunately, (laughs) Well, dude, I appreciate you being transparent with me, man. I really do. I think it's good when the truth comes out. That might be cliche at this point, but man, I don't know. Like, I feel like this stuff comes out one way or the other. It will. Yeah. Always. I would buy the book on Yellow Card. I know there's way more that we have not discussed that have gone down over the years with Yellow Card as an entity. I think that would make for a really interesting episode of Behind the Music or a book. I really think the entire story, all of it, especially after watching like that Beatles get back. And yeah. I really, really think, and especially because pop punk's really big right now mm-hmm. and there's so many bands trying to do it. I think if we went through the member changes and how we got signed and what the world was like on Capitol records and CDs, it would be a killer book and movie or whatever. There was, there's drama. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's this, there's this, you know, it's educational. And so I really, I would like sure. to just find someone to help, like a help write it, whatever, you know, like a, what do they call it, a ghost writer or a writer? Sure. And then I think, you know, we should get in touch with everyone and, and we should do it. And I think one of us will do that. I don't, you know, I don't know if Ryan will do it. If Ryan's not going to do it, then we should do it. So. Sure. Yeah. I just watched Filmage the other night. Have you seen that documentary, the Descendants one? No, I haven't watched it yet. Dude, it's great. It's for free on, I think I watched it on Amazon, but man, it was so great. And it just went over the entire history. And I didn't realize how many band members Descendants had over the tenure that they were a band. I mean, they're still a band, but it's just crazy to see how many different iterations of the band there were. But it's, yeah. it's really enlightening and it was a really well-made documentary. And I feel like you could do something similar with Yellow Card. Oh, yeah, because all of the stuff that happened was never published you know, or, or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, dude, can I be honest? That was the thing, you know? that was the thing that always bothered me because I've heard, you know, I have fond memories of all of you guys back then. And Ryan was always very kind and nice back then. So I don't want to speak negatively towards him, but the thing that always bothered me is every time I'd read an interview with him, he would always be so cryptic and ambiguous. He wouldn't tell anybody anything. And I'm just thinking, dude, I understand you can't divulge every single secret, but uh-huh. it seems, it just you seems weird when you're trying to keep so many secrets. Yeah. You can't really hold all of that up and he's really got to let that out at some point. So hopefully it's healthy, but yeah. uh, in cathartic, right. for sure. 
I can see that. And um, the fact, yeah, I, I mean, I'll hear shit. Mike, Mike, or, excuse me. Uh, Mike Herrera interviewed him a year after my podcast mm-hmm. and brought up our conversation. And Ryan wouldn't even say my name. Yeah. You know, why? I don't like that's, that. that's a perfect example of cryptic, you know? Yeah. He, he answered the question, you know, Oh, there's multiple sides to the story, you know, <laughs> like, Sure. Nothing direct. Like, oh, I, yeah. Like, I was actually happy Mike brought it up, hoping I maybe could get some closure. And absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then everybody can hopefully mend relationships and we don't have to walk around with any yeah. maybe enemies, you know? Yeah. It's like, maybe maybe we'll promote the old releases more, you know, or and celebrate it, you know? Yeah. I know he, he's trying to do new things and I think that's cool, but I think you can celebrate the past while still moving forward. I think it would be a benefit to him and his management and his business and as an entirety. So absolutely. Uh, yeah, I don't, I so, you know, hopefully maybe someday in the dark sellers of the world or, or the, or not, that's the wrong term somewhere in the, <laughs> the, the impossible universe. In the metaverse someday. Hey, this podcast hits Ryan's ears and he's like, you know what? Yeah. Maybe <laughs> Yeah, reach out, but or tell someone some stories. But um, maybe uh, you never know. It's nothing. Tra- it's nothing bad. You know, it's just normal shit goes down when you get in a big band and you're in your twenties and there was differences and not God. You know, think about think, you know, like you think about what Game Time didn't break up. Think about if if Yellow Card would have retained its its members, you know, or at least maybe had just one change of member, you know, or something. Sure. Um, and and think about maybe they could would be still touring right now. Who knows. Yeah, just different trajectories and what could have yeah. been for sure. But you're right, being in a band is a very complicated endeavor. Oh um, god, especially when you get older, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, but, man. But more power, dude, and, and really about Ryan. More power to Ryan, and like he kind of, and, and he does say this when he does talk about us that he wishes us the best, and I wish him the best, you know. But please post about the new run for the kids release, and yeah. Ryan or and War, not Warren, you know. LP and I are definitely would love some closure, you know, before we get too old, but um, we have this, you know, a safe, easy conversation about what went wrong or what, you know, something. I don't know if that's even the right thing we'd be searching for, but it'd be cool to be his homie. How about that? We'd be cool to be friends with Ryan because we accomplished so much together. So, yeah. And that's something worth celebrating. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's just nice to know that looming in the background, there's nobody that holds any ill will, any action. Nah, thank will. you for that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, dude, I just want to say again, I really appreciate you. I appreciate you taking the time today. This is really cool. And I can't wait to get my copy of one for the kids, the 20th anniversary. I'm going to be listening to it and sporting my t-shirt all over the place. I'm pretty stoked about it. That's so right, thanks yep. for doing it, man. I appreciate uh, it. Problem. Yeah. I'll stay in touch, man. Maybe we yes. can maybe we can do something together. I don't know. These days it's just fun to collaborate at the Oh, that's week. right. You wanted me to do a solo. I forgot about that. Totally. Oh, I, yeah, if you're down, I would love it. We're gonna do more songs. Yeah. yeah. We've got a song in the can that we're releasing middle of next week, the 29th of uh this month. So that'll be not this week, but next week. And I think it's gonna be cool. And we're just gonna keep going. We're gonna keep doing songs. Great. I love it. So yeah, if I could get Ben Harper DNA on it, life goal fulfilled. Hell yeah. No, I was a little timid to do it a few months ago because I hadn't really got my chops back. But since we've done this, this legend show, I'm like, I'm ready. 
You know what I mean? I'm ready awesome. to go. Hell so. yeah, dude. That's rad. Yeah. I've always looked up to you as a guitar player. I've always enjoyed your guitar lines and your lead lines and your attention to detail. I still remember when you showed me the bridge for breathing in, I think it was your apartment in California. We stayed with you and oh, nice. you were showing it to me. And I was just like, God, that's so freaking cool. <laughs> Thanks. Well, it was definitely, like I said, always, it was a collective effort. There was no lead. You know, there, it was all appro- always approved by the whole band. It wasn't like someone it was just sitting in a room writing all the yellow card leads. And you know what I mean? It was always a collective yeah. effort. So. That's cool. It's a special thing, man. Those first three releases specifically. Yeah. Well, cool, Ben. Well, I hope you have a wonderful holiday. I hope you're spending time with your fam and Absolutely. taking my some mom's time right in Ponte Vedra beach or Jacksonville, Florida right now. Awesome, dude. Cool. How's the weather? It's uh, cold. It's their first like cold day they've had. I think it's like a nor'eastern and I'm actually, it's pretty chilly, but for me, I like it coming from LA. I don't get to see a lot of rain and you know, you see chilly weather because of the Pacific ocean, but this is a different feel, but I guess it gets sunny in a few days. It'll be like high of 70, you know, perfect in Florida for December. Um, and I love it. I think I'm going fishing on Thursday. So cool. Awesome. Man. Uh, yeah. I hope you hope the same to you and, and tell the fam I said, Hey, and I will do. Yeah. My parents actually, I just talked to them I was, before I spoke with you and they said, hello. Yeah. I was going to say, tell your parents. I said, Hey, I do remember the memories at your house and staying with you and eating good food. And I do remember all of that. So yeah, dude. Awesome. Right? Yeah. It was great. So. Bad, dude. Yeah, I'll definitely share it. It's easier to share these audio ones without, you know, having to post my ugly mug everywhere. So yeah, I'll share the crap out of it. Dude, um, you're a beautiful man. And uh, you, you look, dude, you look the same. Like you just don't age. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get attacked by like, you know, the gray. I'm definitely fatter, but you know, could, things could be worse. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, We're all there a little bit, my friend. You're, I I say you're doing pretty well. All I got to do is get with you for a few months and then the way, you know, the fat thing's no longer an issue. So I appreciate it. So absolutely, my man. All right. Awesome. Have a great night. Thank you so much for this wonderful. Thank you, my man. Happy holidays. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Happy holidays and happy new year. Talk to you soon. And definitely keep in touch about that solo. So I will. I will. For sure. All right. See you, buddy. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. I hope you had a good time. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to help the podcast out, if you want to do a massive solid for us here at Having a Blast, if you could just leave us a review, a five-star review would be amazing wherever you listen to podcasts. Or if you just want to recommend this podcast to a friend who might enjoy it. All right. Hope you have a wonderful day. Hope you're having a blast listening to your favorite records. I'll talk to you later. Hey.